What a great weekend uh, in America, living in freedom, and hopefully everybody had a great time at the 4th of July celebrations, wherever you celebrated. I know uh, there's no centralized thing in Lewis County this year as far as downtown or any of that, but I know a lot of different people went to all the different places and watched fireworks, and Derek let his little girl get shot in the leg with a fireworks and he said this morning he said she's scarred scarred for life so ladies took one for the team on the leg um, fireworks are dangerous and and you really should take caution in uh, when you're shooting off fireworks around people and stuff to take all the safety measures but sometimes we don't we do things the way we want to do them we get in trouble and then it's on us um, but it wasn't even them that was shooting them off it's the worst part of some other neighbor guy got them so you got to be cautious of your neighbors sometimes. Um, when I was thinking about this weekend and about um, 4th of July and about freedom and America and everything that we have, uh, sometimes we don't give enough credit to those that brought us that freedom and freedom to exist and live and dwell. The Bible says even have our being. And I was thinking about the license plate you see and some of the old guys you see walking around with a black hat and it'll say p-o-w-m-i-a and uh my grandpa that i never met he died three years before i was born so i never had the opportunity to get to meet him but he was a prisoner of war for three and a half years during world war ii and the entire world war ii the whole time from the first about the three-month point of the war all the way to the last day of the war he was a prisoner of war and it's Mary's dad and my mom's dad. And uh, I never got to hear his stories, but I went back and read and researched and dug around. I love history and uh, just some of the things that he endured that I've read in books about things that prisoners of war have endured. Uh, John McCain that died just a few years ago, ran for president a few years ago, and he was a prisoner of war. And, and some of the things that prisoners of war endure during their time of captivity is almost unbearable and how that the enemy will do anything to get information from them and waterboarding and some of these things that you've heard about pulling toenails off and just gruesome awful things that the enemy will do to try to get information and it's really sad and this weekend that we sit around in freedom and we shoot off fireworks and we roast hot dogs and we do activities that we just count as normal in our lives here 
How grateful are we really to those that have endured severe pain so we can have freedom? And I know this is not Veterans Day or this is not Memorial Day, but this is a freedom day. And we should be grateful for those that have uh, bought us this freedom with their safety, with their freedom. And I just want us to thank all the veterans today as a church for the freedom that we have to assemble ourselves together here. The freedom of religion, the First uh, Amendment, is something great that our founding fathers set up for us. And we wouldn't be able to do this in some countries around the world today. In Africa, they have to literally have church in fear of being taken captive by militia and by uh, Muslim armies that takes them and, and brutally, it's, it's savage some of the things they do. And we set in freedom because people have fought for that freedom for us and we ought to be grateful for it. So let's give all our veterans a big hand from the Bridge family. Am I supposed to stand somewhere else? No, you don't know if I'm that. Okay. So in saying that, the title of the message today is A Prisoner of War, Those Missing in Action. And I want us to look at a, at a scripture in Genesis chapter 13, verses 8 through 18. And this is a story of an uncle and a nephew that took off traveling and went to a foreign country and went to a place where God called them. And they took off traveling, and as they went along their journey, some of their people that was amongst them in two different groups, that both of them was like leaders of their little groups of family. And starting at verse 8, it says, Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. It is not the land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest out of Zohar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thy eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, and to thee I will give it, and thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that man cannot number the dust of the earth. Then shall thy seed be numbered. Arise and walk through the land, the length of it, the breadth, for I will give it to thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelled in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for freedom. Lord, we pray for today for all those that have suffered being prisoners of war from all nationalities of the world. God, we pray for them today. God, that you would give them peace of mind. Lord, that you would renew your spirit within them. And Lord, that you would let joy come in their life. And God, they would be able to know and understand in the ways that you 
So, Father, we just pray today that you would give this word to our hearts, apply it to our lives, and let us live godly lives on this earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. So this story is Abram takes off and God calls him to go live a life pleasing to God. And he tells him to go to a land that I'm going to show you, the land that you've never even seen before. And sometimes I think about that in, in the view of as a Christian walk. Whenever we become a Christian, it's like we're traveling to a land that we've never seen before. And God's calling us to go to a place that we've never been before. And as we begin this travel and this journey along this Christian walk, that as we're traveling along and heading towards godliness, heading towards righteousness, heading towards justification, heading towards all these things, sanctification, that as we're traveling along this journey, that we got others that go alongside of us. And sometimes whenever we get saved, others around us will become saved and others uh, that we're in party with. And as we're traveling along this journey, sometimes we have difference of opinion. And Christians throughout history have been a divisive group of people when God called us to unity. And I think about today and all these denominations and all these different branches of Christianity and how that everybody's got a little belief system that we can't ever get unified because we're so divided. And it's kind of that way, becoming that way in our nation today as Americans. We, we're supposed to be the United States of America. But today you look around and you see all these divisive things happening and actually we're becoming a divided states of America. And it's sad and it should burden our heart and we should have compassion towards others that are different than us. We should have compassion as Americans for those that have endured pain so that we can have this freedom. And we ought to look to them and think, well, maybe I ought to step in their shoes for a minute and have a little bit of empathy a little bit of sympathy, and try to view the life that they're living. But sometimes we just can't do that. The Bible does say live peaceable with all men if it be possible. It says in Romans, Paul the Apostle told the Roman church that. Live peaceable with men if it be possible. Sometimes it's not possible. Amen? Amen. Maybe you all get along too good. I don't know. That's, maybe it's just me. Amen. Sometimes it's hard to get along with other humans. So Abram takes off on this journey and he's going towards this land that God called him to. So he's walking and marching towards salvation. And as he heads there, he takes his nephew with him and all these herds, all these people, and they're traveling and journeying along. And next thing you know, you know what really caused this strife and this division? You go back and read this in Genesis. It was really about the water. Because whenever their animals would get together and they'd go to watering them, they kind of get anxious, and why has he got a well, and why has he got this, and why are you allowing him to do this? And the herdsmen begin to fight. It wasn't really Lot and Abram that was fighting. It was other people that was trying to take possession of those things, of the water. And we talked last week about water under the bridge. And how there's a living water that flows through the inside of us. And we shouldn't strive, or we shouldn't have division, or we shouldn't have fear of somebody else getting some water. Can't we all just share? Yes. The New Testament is full of ideals of where Christians joined together and it says they had all things in common and nobody had want. Whenever we give and we go out and maybe you buy for somebody in the line behind you at a, at a restaurant or whatever, you're doing things like that, acts of kindness. When you're doing those things, it's, true, it's a true picture of Christianity that I have, yes, earned my wages. Yes, I have earned the resources in my checkbook, so it's like water. And whenever I have it, if I give it to somebody else, that's a good deed. Amen. And as Christians, we should be that with a giving type of people that has compassion towards other people. 
Now, I'm not saying give it everything you have away. I'm not saying give it till you till you don't have nothing left. Amen. I'm saying be a good neighbor. Yeah. A Christian is a good neighbor. Amen. A Christian is a person that will get along. And whenever you see division and divisive things happening, we shouldn't join in and we shouldn't get into the process of, of making it more divisive and giving our opinion. Amen? Amen? As Christians, too often, we're out there giving our opinion and when we're causing pain for others, we need to back up a minute and say, whoa, hold up. I wouldn't be a Christian today if Jesus wasn't to give up his opinion for me. Amen. He gave up his life so that I can have life. Yes. He gave up his, his blood of, on the cross of Calvary so I could have and be washed by the blood of Jesus and be cleansed and righteous today. My blood would not buy me salvation. Amen. Amen? Amen. Only his blood can wash you clean. So this freedom that they was having, they was fighting over this freedom heading towards this journey. And Abram and Lot, and finally it comes to the point, and Abram says, just look, Lot. You look whatever you want. Look at the whole countryside. You pick where you want to go, and I'll give it to you. I'll just let you go and do your thing. That's gracious. That's an act of kindness. Lot was the elder. He was the uncle. He could have said, Lot, I'm taking this good land and you go to the junk land. He didn't do that. He gave up to whatever Lot's desire was. And Lot, as he looked around, because whenever we're in our age of youth, sometimes we'll look around and we always think, man, the grass is greener over there. When I was growing up, I was thinking, I cannot wait to the day I turn 18 so I can get a car and I can get a job and I can leave Lewis County and leave this God-forsaken place. I couldn't wait to get away from here. Anybody else with me? Yes, amen. But as I got away from here and lived in other places, I began to look back and think, man, it wasn't all that bad over there. there you go. Amen? I'd come down and enjoy my dad's garden, and I'd eat his green beans, and I'd eat his corn. I'd do the things that I began to see that the elder people that I once had rejected and thought was living some kind of awful life was actually somebody now, the older I get, the more I respect. Because everything is glamorous. Well, the old country singer, what was it, said everything that's silver is not gold. Sometimes we look over there and see all these things and think, man, it's more pleasurable over there. That looks like a wonderful life. But actually on the inside, people that are living in those situations are people that has a lot of issues going on and you don't know. It may look good on the outside, but inside without God is an awful life. Amen. Internally, whenever I'm living life without God resting in my heart is a time where that I'm not living the way I know I ought to be living. So Abram said, Lot, do whatever you want. Take whatever's good, take whatever's bad, take whatever you want, and I'll take what's left. Isn't that a picture of Jesus? Isn't that a picture of what Jesus would do? Whenever he's standing there and they're walking up to him with swords, and they come up to arrest him the, the night before his crucifixion. And Jesus standing there and he's got this great disciple named Peter. And as they're walking up, Jesus just willingly gives himself into their hands. And Peter takes out his sword and cuts off a man's ear. You know the story. Jesus reaches down, picks up the ear, and miraculously puts it right back on the guy. Amen. And tells Peter, you're doing it wrong. Why strive? Because Abram and Lot said, Abram told Lot, why is there strife and division? Don't let that be amongst us. 
And what if we as Americans and Christians today would say and stop saying, let's look towards strife because that's normally what we do as humans. But we begin to say, I don't want any strife amongst me and somebody else. I don't want to oppose other people. I don't want my opinion to be the only opinion that matters. And what if we give up the strife that we're fighting and leaning towards and begin to love like Jesus loved? And what if we willingly gave up and was gracious like Abram was in a, this picture? And the story goes on like this, that Abram tells Lot that. Lot looks over this beautiful city and this beautiful region and all the waters there, and he said, I'm taking this. And Abram said, oh, that's okay, go ahead. And as he turns around, Abram goes on and journeys on and ends up in Hebron and Next thing you know, he's living life and everything's still going good for both camps. And Lot's living towards the city and he kind of goes towards Sodom and it's a bad story in the Bible. And as, as Abram's living there, there's a great war starts and breaks out amongst the region that Lot's living in, this beautiful countryside. Because guess what? If you got something pretty, everybody else is going to want it. If you got something good, everybody else is going to want it. So this, what looked beautiful to Lot was beautiful to a lot of other people. And they come and the war broke out. And they actually took Lot and all of his possessions, his wife, his daughters, they took everything he owned and he became a prisoner of war. The Bible doesn't give a timeline of this. It don't tell you if it's months. It don't tell you if it's a year. It don't tell you how long this goes on. But there's some guy that gets away and he runs back and he goes and finds Abram. And he tells Abram, he says, your nephew Lot is a prisoner of war. Your nephew that left you and abandoned you and had strife and division with you is a prisoner of war. And Abram couldn't have sat there in his infinite wisdom that we would use in our context today and say he chose his path let him live it ain't that how we think sometimes where we see harm or evil come upon somebody else that disagrees with us and past we they just let them live their life yeah they, they got what's coming to them karma's kicking in right abram don't do that it says he goes and joins together and gets all these other men. He forms an army. And he gets all these little groups of people around him. And he even uh, invites people to come in to go to battle with him. And he takes off to go get his nephew, Lot, the one that abandoned him. And as he takes off on this journey with this war mentality, that he's going to go rescue his nephew, Lot, and he's outnumbered. The numbers are just crazy against him. But the Bible's very clear. It says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. 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 If God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. If you're doing the right thing and everybody else is saying, well, why are you Christians? Why are you so laid back? Why are you so have so much grace? Why do you have so much uh, uh, compassion towards others? Why are you giving to those that hate you? Because if God be for me, who can be against me? And as Abram does this and he takes off on his journey and gets over there and he sees this and then God gives him the plan of how to go about it at night and go in and they go into battle in the middle of the night and he displaces all these people and they end up winning the war in the middle of the night and he gets his nephew Lot back 
And as he travels back towards this region that he's taken Lot back to the land that, that he had chosen. He had been a prisoner of war. Now he's set free by his uncle that he despised one point in his life. I wonder how many of us are more like Lot or more like Abram. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and against rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's a spiritual battle going on around us. Amen. And whenever this strife and this divisiveness and this division and all these things happen, we may look at other human beings and think, well, they're opposing me, they hate me, I'm going to hate them back. Christians, it's time to wake up. Yeah. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle we're in. And unless we hit our knees and unless we pray, unless we seek God's face, unless we say, if God be for me, who can be against me? And I'm not worried about them being opposed by God. I just want to do the right thing. I want to be in right standings with God. Matthew 11, 12, Jesus is telling a story one time and John the Baptist is worried he's in prison. John the Baptist is about ready to give his life. And he sends out word and he asks, he says, Jesus, his disciples come to him and say, are you really the one? This is the same John the Baptist that had baptized Jesus in the river of Jordan. But now he's in prison. He's a prisoner of war. And as he's in prison, the enemy begins to work on his mind and captivate him. And he begins to even doubt Jesus. This is Jesus' cousin. How many of us at points in our life whenever we become prisoners of war in the spiritual battle that we're in even begin to doubt Jesus? Amen. This is John the Baptist. Think about that. He baptized Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. He heard God the Father speak out of heaven and say, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He heard this with his own ears, but now he's doubting as a prisoner of war. When we become captives, we begin to doubt. Amen. Amen. And there's nothing the enemy wants more than to hold you captive in your mind. Amen. He wants to take your mind and play games and cause you to hate people and cause you to hate others, flesh and blood. What if we would hate the devil more than we hate others? Amen. What if we truly considered our battle not to be with somebody else with flesh and blood, but the enemy of our souls, the devil himself, as a prisoner of war? And Jesus sent back word to John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. It said, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. Yes. There's been a lot of people that use that passage to say that Christians should be violent people. They take it out of context. Jesus was the most non-violent person that's ever lived on this planet. But he said the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence, but the violent take it by force. I don't think he was talking about taking up swords. I don't think he was talking to telling everybody, let's all go against Herod. Let's all go against Rome. He wasn't saying those things. He wasn't talking about flesh and blood. He said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Where is the kingdom of heaven? Is it here? This feel like heaven to you? No. I hope it's a lot better than this. Amen? The kingdom of heaven. 
It's a place. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. How are we going to do that? In spiritual battle. Only if we decide to do spiritual battle ourselves will we ever understand how violent are we spiritually. <clears throat> how much are we truly praying every day? How much are we praying for grace for ourselves versus grace for others? How much are we praying that God would allow me to be a humble person? Amen. Sure. It's easy to look for the pleasurable things the way Lot did. Yes. It's easy to chase after the glory, the good things, and want all the trophies in life. Uh-huh. At the end of the day, it's not about the things of this earth. No, it's, not. it's not about the things that we can obtain here. Praise God. It's about the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Some things we have to work for. Sometimes we have to strive for some things. We do. Not where we got strife with other people, but we're striving to do what's right. Amen. And I'm here to attest to you today and tell you today, sometimes when we do what's right, it's really hard. Sure is. Amen? Amen. To try to live a godly life is really tough. Yes, it is. Amen. It is. But he don't let you do battle alone. Oh, he doesn't. Praise his name. We've got a Walks great advocate. The Bible says that Jesus is our advocate. And yes. he sits on the right hand of the Father. And it says he's making intercession Amen. for you and me. Yes, he I is. can tell you today that Jesus is praying in heaven for you today. Amen. Thank you, Father. You're not in this battle alone. Hallelujah. And just the same way Abram come and rescued his nephew Lot that done the wrong thing. Every time you do the wrong thing, yeah. I can promise you this, that Jesus yeah. is coming to your rescue. Amen. He's chasing you. He's running you down even when we do what's wrong. Amen. Because he's our African. He's our great elder brother. Yes, he is. That even when we're wrong, he wants to make it right. Lot was saved by an uncle that he had banded. How many of us abandoned our Savior almost on a weekly basis? Sometimes in this Christian life when it gets hard, it's like, man, I'm going the other way. Jesus is saying, strive for it. Lean in. Chase me. Follow me. Find me. Yeah. When we knock, he'll open. Yeah. And when we ask, we'll receive. Yeah. And when we seek, we will find. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I love it. A few years ago, I was watching a YouTube video. Mark Lowry, who's sung with the Gaithers, I think. Right, Leslie? And he was telling a story, and he was talking about things, and he was quoting this verse, John 10, 10, and I'd always looked at this verse like, the enemy comes just to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus come to give us life, and life more abundantly. How many wants the abundant life? Amen. There's Amen. churches everywhere named abundant life. I was like, man, that's awesome. I want the abundant life. <laughs> he said abundant life means more of life. Yeah. So he said, Mark Lowry says this, he said, you remember what your life was like before becoming saved? So what did you have before you become saved? Strife, bitterness, yep. 
All these things that humanity brings about upon us, right? That life is hard, right? Jesus is saying you have to, you're going to have life and more abundant life, more of life. So the same pain that you used to feel, now you're going to have more of it. There you go. Some people looked at it as abundant life as having this uh, epiphany moment where that everything's going to be perfect and heaven's coming to earth and my life's just going to be perfect. But in Christianity, is, really, is it really that way? After you gave your heart to Jesus, I know the burden lifts off for a moment, and yes, it does become light for that day or two. But the longer you're in this thing and the more you fight in this battle of Christianity, the harder it gets. It isn't that you're not going to have life anymore and you're not going to live life anymore. Life is coming. The question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Amen. What are you going to do when anger comes? What are you going to do when bitterness tries to take up root in your heart? What are you going to take? What are you going to do when you feel like a prisoner of war and captive by the enemy in your mind? What are you going to do? Better turn to the author and the finisher of your faith. His name is Jesus. Amen. So when you're living life and it seems like too much, mm-hmm. and it seems like you're burdened down with the cares of this world, come to Jesus. Continue to run to Him. Never give up on Him, because He's never going to give up on you. Amen. And I wrote this down at the end of this sermon today. It's the verses that I love in the same story where Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven serves with violence. It's Matthew chapter 11. And Jesus goes on to explain some things and send some things back to John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. He's actually a literal prisoner of war <laughs> in the nation of Israel. Yeah. And Jesus, This is Jesus' words back to John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, it is. Praise God. Life was hard when I wasn't a Christian. Life continues to be hard now that I am a Christian. But your soul is what Jesus said where the burden would be light. This physical body, this humanity that I'm dwelling in, this tent that I'm dwelling in today, suffers things. But how many wants rest for our souls, our inner man? Peace of mind. I know you have a brain, and I know how it uses different signals and different things and all these little connectors and all this stuff that goes on in your brain physically. But there's something inside of there that doesn't even have a physical attribute to it. Amen. It's your soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are tangled up, and humanity can't figure that out. Sure, we can have psychology. Sure, we can have all these different things and studies of all that we want. Yeah. But at the end of the day, sometimes we just don't understand how the human body interacts. There it is. <clears throat> and the question is for you today, I want you to see this. That yes, we are prisoners of war. We're all prisoners of war. It's the war of life. It's the war where the enemy of our souls wants to take us captive. Amen. 
and cause us pain and sorrow and anguish and fear and all those things. But Jesus said, come to him and he would give us rest for our souls, our inner man. What are you struggling with today? What's your burden today? Are you tired of life on the outside and letting it impact you on the inside? I'm telling you today, Jesus is saying, come unto him and his yoke will be easy. He'll let you live in peace on the inside. Does it mean there will be no turmoil on the outside? No. It's going to be there. The question is, how are you living on the inside? Is there rest for your soul? Jesus bought it. Will you accept it? Do we want to be like Abram? Do we want to be like Lot? What are you living for? What are you striving for? Everybody would bow their head and close their eyes. I want everybody here to just pray a very simple prayer. Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you today what he's saying to you through this message. This message had a lot of different parts and pieces. And not everybody here is dealing with the same thing. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through this message? Leslie's first song that she sang today was Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Not my physical eyes, but my eyes of my heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I don't think we're seeing him physically with these physical eyes in our head, but the eyes of our heart. God, let us see you as a church today. Open our spiritual eyes. Lord, in this divided world that we're living in, with strife and bitterness and anger, all these things that are rising up, Lord, let us see that it's the enemy of our souls that is trying to tear us apart. God, come and unite like you have never before. God, bring love and compassion and mercy and grace. Let us be meek people. We can emulate you to this world that we're living in. God, I pray for the people of the Bridge family, God, that you would just allow us to be representatives of you. We will be your ambassadors to this community that we live in. God, let us be people of peace. Let us be like Abram.
finally gives up and says, go on, take what you want, I'll take what's left. God, let us be last in line at dinners. Let us be people that gives up things of this world. we can inherit the world that is to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Whatever you do this week, know this, that last week we talked about watching your mouth. I don't think anybody mastered it. I was around several different people from the church this week. Even myself. They had to get on me a time or two. Hey, you're talking about somebody. Anybody, just raise your hand if you've talked about anybody this week. Oh, yeah. Anybody didn't raise your hand, you're lying. Amen. Now you need to repent about lying too. Yeah. Let's continue that fight. But this week, let's go out and speak peace. I triple dog dare you to go out and make posts about grace and mercy and kindness and meekness and goodness and all these things. Let's don't be divisive. Let's be people of peace. Let's promote it. For all this stuff that's going on, somebody has to stand up and somebody has to speak and hope for the best. Let's be that type of people. Amen. Love God, love people. Be a a blessing to somebody this week. You're dismissed.